Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. I love City Nels. City Nels is a fucking boss. He's drunk. He's telling people off. Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Good afternoon, Jenny. It's not technically afternoon yet. It's 1154. You're never going to get this right. It's 11.54. That's morning. That's morning. Okay, good morning. Okay. Jen. I don't have any housekeeping, but I need I need to recommend a show to our Mimis. Okay. I am into this show, Shrill. Have you seen it? No. I heard it was good. It's amazing. It's A.D. Bryant from Saturday Night Live. I love her. And she is amazing. And you guys know I'm always talking about, like, the complexities of weight shaming and fat shaming and moving through the world as a fat person. If you have ever been overweight or you know somebody who's been overweight, this depicts it perfectly. Like, this is what it is like to move through the world as a fat person. It is raw. It is... I relate to it so much. It is so emotional. Like, I'm often sobbing, but yet it's hilarious and so well-written. Hmm. It's so fantastic. And it's three years old and I never knew about it. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's so great. So, um... And it, it takes place in Portland, so it's a little quirky. Mm-hmm. I just really like it. It's really, really good. I'll have to check it yeah, out. It's on... I just finished The Mayor of Easttown. Oh, I liked it. That was good. I liked that it. That was good. So, Jenny, Mayor of Easttown, you and I grew up in a very similar town. Yep. Yep. Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's not as city-ish. Like, I felt like um, Easttown is very... You know, it has a Philadelphia. Well, it's right pod. outside of Philly. Right. Yeah. It's right. It's right there. So Scranton's yeah. not quite as big, but the same kind of makeup. Yep. Yeah. So I really like that. But Shrill, excellent. Watch it. Watch okay. it. Watch it. So good. All right, Jenny. So today we're looking at Little House on the Prairie, season five, episode five. There's no place like home, part one. Yes, written by and directed by Michael Landon. All this stuff in season five so far is written by, directed by Landon. Do you want to give us a description? Oh, fuck. Yes. You have one job. The description reads, Carolyn talks to Mary and and Mary convinces Charles that they should not have to stay in Winoka if he's unhappy. So the Ingalls decide to return to Walnut Grove. 
They invite Albert to join them. The children at the blind school give them a horseshoe to hang over their door and sing them home with a song about a horseshoe. None of that happens in this yeah, episode. Yeah, who the fuck is writing these? <laughs> They're giving away the entire ending. <laughs> the Garveys and the Olsons return home too. Like, they're supposed to be like, a. the purpose of an episode description is this is an overview of what happens without spoiling it. Right. Like, when we write our descriptions of our podcast, like, it's not given a lot away. It just teases. 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 Yep. All right, Jen, we open on Albert playing some kind of dice game with Standish's kid. I thought they were playing craps. Maybe. I keep thinking they're playing craps. Maybe. I don't really know what craps is. I think you have to have a whole special table for craps. Maybe. So they end up getting in a fist fight and Charles catches them and breaks it up. Albert is a bad gambler. Can we discuss? Yeah. Like, what's he doing? I don't know. He's And like then what five. is that show he puts on? What's that show he puts on? Like, come walk across this line. Now you're on my turf. What the fuck does that mean? And then he tries to run over a fence when all he had to do was go towards the, the street and run that way. Like, what is... He literally trapped he himself. He literally backed himself into a corner. He backed himself into a corner. And then the kids are kind of like... Going like, like, this is not how kids fight. <laughs> Who are these kids? Kids like, fight like this. I mean, it was, it, that was a bad scene. Yeah. For those of you listening, which is everyone, I just waved my little T-Rex arms in a flurry of slaps. Did, did we ever discuss your T-Rex arms and how dad my, makes fun of you? Yeah, my arms are T-Rex. Can't <laughs> father makes fun of her and calls her T-Rex because she has these little tiny, like her arms because, are very short because her body. dad has such long arms. Well, do you remember the holiday where we all measured our arms? Yes. Because this has, is what we do at the holidays. And dad's arms are as short as mine. I think mine were the longest. Probably. All right. So then we see a mail delivery come in and a bunch of people are waiting for lottery tickets. Yes, it's the lottery. This was crazy. Mm-hmm. Jen, then They're waiting for a lottery numbers to come in. So they have the mm-hmm. tickets. Mm-hmm. They're waiting for the lottery numbers to come in. And I'm like, this isn't the soothing zen of those air-powered machines with the no. little balls that they nope, would like. Nope, nope, Remember nope. that? Yes. That was cool. Do they still do that? Yes. That was the best. Yes. And I feel like so easy to rig. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Jen, we meet Toby. Did you know who he was? I have an index card. <laughs> Okay. I knew immediately. Yeah, okay. The minute I saw him. I didn't him. know. I, I'm like, God, he's so familiar. No, like, the minute I saw him. Who is Toby No? Roy Bulger. Toby No is played by the actor Roy Bulger, who became famous for his role as the Scarecrow on The Wizard of Oz. Born in 1904 in Dorchester, Massachusetts, he started in vaudeville because he's ancient as fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a song and dance man as well as an actor. His first singing and dancing role was in Sweethearts in 1938, where he did a wooden shoe number with Jeanette McDonald. And the way this article is written, it sounds like I should know who Jeanette McDonald is. I do not. No, I don't either. This got him noticed by MGM and landed him the role of the Scarecrow. Even Which though, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. Was right, because I'm like, mm-hmm. even his, like, his style, I'm like, I know mm-hmm. that. Yep. Even though the film was a success, his contract with MGM ended. He went on to do radio, including a romantic comedy called Four Jacks and One Jill. Whoa. I'm just going to leave that right there. Whoa. <laughs> In 1942. He did some Broadway and later did some TV, including The Partridge Family, the original Battlestar Galactica, Fantasy Island, and The Love Boat. Oh, there we go. And he had some small roles in a lot of films. He died in L.A. in 1987 of bladder cancer he was 83 they clearly want us to know it's him because not only did they name the episode something very oz ozian 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Cool. But they play the music every time he's on, like this goofy music. Yeah. No, like I was like, I didn't know. I had to look him up. Like I looked him up pretty quickly, but I was like, he's someone. He's definitely someone. Oh, I knew immediately. I'm like, there's the scarecrow. (laughs) All right, Jen. So now we see the barn school and they're trying to raise money for a fireworks display for the 4th of July. Andy Garvey. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can we just back up? Yeah. The lottery was $5,000. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even say that. He won. He had the winning ticket. Oh, so he wins $5,000, which adjust for inflation would be $125,000 today. So it's a good wow. chunk. It's a good chunk of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Andy Garvey's in the school and he's wondering why they don't have fireworks for the 4th and Albert, who is now in school, so we missed something there. Tells them it's bad for boozing and gambling. He is like quite the businessman. He understands like how this place operates. He does. He's like, folks have to go to some meadow to see the fireworks. Yeah, they're so they're not, not in the saloon. They're spending not spending money. money there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And another thing, he said when the, and it's a family event when the women and children are around, men don't the gamble. men don't gamble. Yep. Mm-hmm. Alice is all like, I'm done. This is ridiculous. And then she finds out they don't even close the bar on Christmas. Nope. And they she they ask about oh no this is later never mind go ahead so Laura and the kids then go over to Nell's and ask how much the Walnut Grove show cost that the, he put on a while ago and Nell's is like I think it was like fifty bucks but it's probably more now because he he well he just did it for cost right so so he so got the, wholesale the fireworks right these guys so, would have to buy them retail and fifty dollars yeah, is twelve hundred fifty dollars which is a lot of money for a bunch of kids and the kids only up. have 50 cents yeah so this isn't gonna happen and what does laura do mouths she just off. gives up she mouths off to someone but she also gives up she's like oh well i guess it's not <laughs> yeah, fuck it. standish comes out and he yells at nels for talking to them and what? looks at the kids okay <laughs> laura death stares him and he's like what are you looking at and she's like Nothing much. Yeah, she is sassy. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, I've had enough of your fucking mouth. And he storms <laughs> off to tell Charles on her. Yep. And she's like, she says to her new sidekicks, which are Andy Garvey and Albert, Albert the Bastard, let's go listen in and hear what he has to say. So Standish walks into the dining room and he demands to see Charles and Carolyn together. And he's like, I gave you two a job. What the fuck? Your daughter, the redhead, is sassing me. Is Laura redhead? Uh, I guess. A little. Like, maybe. We need to get Ken to share some redheaded photos in the Mimi Bees. Laura is not a redhead. Yeah, Ken was a redhead. Ken was a redhead. All right. So, you better set her straight or you're fired. And Laura's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So, now, Charles turns to Laura. And literally all he says is, stay away from that kid and be polite to Mr. Standish. Which which are just, like, I feel like basic things that you would call, you would tell your kid. Like, don't bully people and don't mouth off to adults. But that's the tone he uses. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Later, this is referred to as yelling. Yes. Wow. And Laura, like, to be fair, doesn't understand. She thinks Pa's going to, like, throw down on this because she doesn't get, like, this hierarchy because Pa... In her experience, has been an entrepreneur, like, running his own farm. He's worked for Hanson, who does not give up. <laughs> and he beats the shit out of everyone who crosses Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> so that night, Laura's helping Carolyn in the kitchen, and they're discussing Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. 
Jen, they have a discussion about the wrongs of slavery. I know. Woof. That was, I thought that Good was pretty Good on you, big. Michael Landon. Laura's about to leave when Carolyn tells her, oh, by the way, Charles, or Pa didn't mean to be so harsh with you. He wasn't. Right. Laura's like, I don't know why he let Standish talk to him like that. I'm ashamed of him. <gasps> I, I he, gasped. <laughs> he let Standish talk to him like they talked to the slaves in the book. I freaking gasped Ooh. when I heard this. I'm you know like, what? Carolyn is going to be pissed. You know what? I was like, these fucking ingrate, ungrateful children. Yeah. Carolyn was like, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Carolyn freaks out. She's like, your pa has a family to support. And if anyone should be ashamed, it's you for judging him so harshly. And Laura's like, whoa. Yeah. Carolyn fucking laid it out. I pressed a button. Laura sees Paul and pa and he apologizes for yelling at her. He didn't. Right. Okay. So Standish then walks in and demands to like look at the receipts or something. I don't know. Whatever. The important thing is that Standish, Charles are in a room together when Toby comes in. Scarecrow. Well, did you get Laura's greeting of Standish? It was so snarky. Yeah, she's like, it's very nice to meet or to see you this evening, Mr. Standish. Fuck you very much. Fuck you very much, Mr. Standish. Yeah, pretty much. So... Uh, the Scarecrow comes in, and when I say Scarecrow, I mean the real Scarecrow, not Doc Baker. Yes, Jenny. Um, he looks like Willy Wonka, kind of, with a new suit on. How dare you? I don't even know what that guy looks like. Really, exactly. But... Okay. Okay. He comes in to pay his bill, and like a moron, he's announcing he won the lottery and carrying it with him <laughs> in one lump sum. This is not a good plan. Who the fuck is doing it in this town? Albert's going to jump him. We saw this happen before. Where were they? Was it in gold country? Yes, where the dude yeah, got killed. struck gold and yeah. somebody murdered him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, what are you doing? And did you catch that Toby No says Toby No never jokes? Yes. I thought that was funny. Yes. So he, he, there's this weird back and forth with Standish where he's like, do you even know my name? And it's like a who's on first it type so situation. Weird. His name is Toby No. Okay. Right. Whatever. Standish leaves. Oh, and uh, he's Standish's whole thing is he's trying to get Toby No to come over and gamble the yeah. money away. Yep. And Toby's like, no, because Standish a wants that money and b doesn't want another rich person in town. Yes, exactly. So Standish leaves, and Charles and him laugh. And Charles tells him, "Look, you cannot gamble. Dude. Don't gamble. But do Toby not is a gambler. Yeah, yeah, yeah." Charles should have said, let me hold half of that yeah, for you. Yeah, just for your own good. Yeah. Although he doesn't know Charles from Dick. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So Toby sees Laura and he's like, I ordered the fireworks for you, dude. They're coming in. I'm paying. Toby knows fireworks display. Yep. It's a done deal. Laura's so excited. Toby says, and the minute, the minute somebody lays out a plan on this show, you know it's going to yeah. go awry. Yep. So he's like, the shipment is going to arrive on the 3rd. And we need someone who can light the fuses. And immediately, Charles like, I got this. He's all over the explosives. He's all over the explosives. He's like some kind of explosives expert, which I feel like is the skill set he should be trying to use somewhere because I I think that would get paid a lot. Like when he used it to blast a tunnel and almost killed everyone? Yeah, that. Because he got tunnel vision and Edwards had to punch him out of it? Yeah, that one, that time. And he almost killed racist Willy Wonka? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, he can make a living blowing up things. Your resume's not good, dude, when he comes to working with explosives. And then when, when I, all I have noted here is someone's going to kill Toby. 
Somebody's totally because he's just stuffing all this mm-hmm. money in his shirt. Mm-hmm. Toby walks out the door and forgets his money, and then makes a joke about having no brain. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even get that. Mm-hmm. Then he says he's going to tell Standish he will gamble, but only after the fireworks. And I wrote, this plan is doomed. Yeah. Doomed. Toby's dead. Might as well sign his death warrant. Yep. Okay. Next day, Laura and Albert are hanging posters up about the fireworks, literally hanging it on the saloon of the one person who can stop this whole thing. And we see the wagon full of explosives go by. Yes. Toby's like guiding it in. And I'm like, where's Where's Carl's Jr.? He would love this. Keep him away from this. Jen, Laura and Albert, the bastard, give Standish the entire details of the plan. Yeah, like, these kids. I know, I know. Standish goes inside and yells at Charles, and he's like, I won't make any money if all my people are going to a fucking pasture and watching the fireworks. So guess what, dude? You can't go. because I don't know what that's going to solve. Apparently, there's no clocking out. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to solve. Yeah, there's, well, there's no eight-hour workday at this time, and there's no weekends. This is before any of that happened. Yes. You can thank unions for that. So if he goes, he's fired. Yep. And Charles is like, oh, fuck. All right. Next, we see Toby escorting the wagon of explosives through the town. So it's the third. Mm-hmm. Toby heads into the saloon. I wrote that evening, but later it's revealed it's still daytime. Yes. Middle of the day. Goes yep. in. Standish approaches him. Toby tells him he's going to gamble a little bit, but he's got a problem, Jen. He needs Ingalls to be his fuse man. Yeah. And he heard Standish isn't letting that happen. Yeah. Standish is like, why don't you gamble a little bit and we'll talk it over? No, he says, okay, Charles can do it. Let's have, let's play a few rounds of cards. Yeah, he's like, let's, let's talk about this as we gamble. So... Uh, the kids walk by and everyone, and they're like, something's going on in the saloon. <laughs> There's a Everyone's giant crowd. watching. Yeah. Guys, PSA. If something is interesting enough at a bar that everyone's standing around watching, check it out. Yeah. It's probably something, something really bizarre. Yep. Yeah. So Toby is, quote, winning, but we know he's not. Right. They're just setting him up. They're setting him up. They're making him confident, so he starts betting more. We hear Toby going, let's up the ante. And they're getting him drunk. Real drunk. Real drunk. That's the key. Albert sees this, runs over to tell Charles. Charles, surprisingly, is like, well, dude's got to learn his lesson. (laughs) Nothing I could do about it. But Garvey's like, "Uh, I'm going to go try to do something. Yep. So Garvey heads over and he, he like tries to interfere. He's saying to Toby, like, your steak and eggs are ready. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's go eat. Yeah. But he's so drunk, Jen, he came and talked. No. Right. Have you ever been that drunk? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Last weekend. No, not recently. But in my life, yeah. Yeah. He sends Garvey away and what does Standish do? Fire some. Uh Jonathan sees Nels on the way out and Nels is like, Oh dude, like I'll keep an eye open for another job for you and Garvey's like nope Fuck it, no. going home going back to Walnut Grove and he doesn't throw a hissy fit no he just breaks he can't deal he's going back to Walnut Grove mm-hmm. Nels tells Harriet that the Garveys are going back to Walnut Grove but she's working now Jen and making good money yeah she just got a $5 tip which is equivalent to $125 she got a $5 tip from Toby yeah yeah, yeah. so Nels is like wait a minute you're in on this too and, and I felt like the Nels and I felt like the Olsons were having a real moment here. Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. Yep. We're like, Nelson's like, there's a bigger picture here that I'm talking about. Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, all Harriet cares about is money. And Nels, once again, is mortified by her behavior. Yeah, and I don't know why he's surprised. I don't either. He's continually surprised. So what does Nels do, Jen? What do you do when you realize you're married to the worst person on earth? I did not have this problem. I just want to say, to be right. clear. But you would just start drinking whiskey, I guess. Yep. He yeah. just orders a whiskey, starts <laughs> drinking. And we see Albert, like, snooping around. I thought Albert was going to set a fire, which would have been a smart move. Yes. Like, get everyone yes. out of the building. Get them out of the building. That would have been a good thing to do. Distract. Yep. Yep. Later that night, Carolyn and Charles are sitting in the dining room, which is, is their dining room, I guess. Yep. Um, and who knows where the fuck the kids are. Laura's in hell upstairs somewhere. <laughs> Nobody's relieving Laura, ever. Yeah. They're upset the Garveys are leaving. And Jen, Alice is fucking off, and she's the only teacher. Yeah. That's like, it. way to commit to something, That's Alice. Um, but they're, Charles says they're going back to nothing but a dead town. Yeah. And that it's all hand to mouth. Why would you want to live like that? And Carolyn's like, gets all Zen Buddhist on him. She really did. Like, Can you summarize You have to live in the present. You have to live in the present. Everyone here is just constantly trying to get money for the next thing that'll make their life better because their life's not good and like... You're always waiting for tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. And she goes into this big whole thing. Oh, that reminds me of that. Is it Garth Brooks, If Tomorrow Never Comes? I would not know that. If tomorrow never comes. Well, who sings that? Hold on. Pause. Okay. It's Garth Brooks. I'm right. Okay. So, and this is where I'm just like, this was a bad decision. This was By a bad Charles. decision. Yes, this it was. This was Charles made this mm-hmm. decision. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, Charles has made bad decisions before. Oh, many. But Carolyn many. always can talk him out of them. Many. And then um, he talks about how it's not fair to marry if they want to leave. Yes. What? Yep. So Carolyn says at least the Garveys will have a roof over their head and they won't starve because they can farm and grow their own shit. Right. And... Charles is like, look, I'd love to go home, but I can't. Mary's here. We can't ask her to give it up. And I'm like, she's a grown-ass adult. And I'm like, wait a minute, she's 16. She's 16. But she's a grown-ass adult in those days. Yeah, Carolyn's like, let's leave her here. And I'm like, finally an idea I can get behind. Well, and he's like, it's not always going to be like this. I'm going to save money. I'm going to build this place out, like right out of town. And Carolyn like, is basically like, I'll be dead from exhaustion by then. Like... Carolyn, you know, between the Harvey Weinstein she's yeah. got to deal with in her life, the the children she's trying to juggle around. I mean, she's in hell. Laura's in hell. Who's happy here? No one. Mary doesn't even give a fuck. Mary's happy. That she's the only one. Yeah. She doesn't even see them half the time. Oh, I don't is mean that, that literally. Kind of joke? Is no, that some kind of I don't joke? mean that literally. Okay. I mean they don't spend a lot of time no. together. She's, she's all wrapped up in Adam. She's busy. Back at the card game, Toby's pile of cash is dwindling, and it's gone. And he lost all his money because, of course, he did. Because, of course. The house always wins. So, oh, wait. Now Standish makes Toby bet the fireworks. God. (laughs) Toby loses the fireworks, Jen, and asks, and Standish comes over and asks Nels, carry these crates up to my room. And Nels is like, go fuck yourself. I quit. Drunk Nels is the hero. I, I love City Nels. City Nels is a fucking boss. Yep. He's drunk. He's telling people off. Like, amazing. 
he sees Harriet and he's telling her like everybody's going back to Walnut Grove and I just quit and she's like if you leave you leave alone he kisses her goodbye and he's like I'll tell the kids goodbye in the morning wow wow he is a boss Nels almost broke free of his hell he almost did he almost did then he sits down and he gambles his $20 and then I wrote Jenny why is Nels making so much more than everyone else I know right does he Nels do the is... books? He might be the bookkeeper, too. No, I don't think so. Because remember when he applied for a job, there was a couple jobs listed there, and one was bookkeeper. Because he would be able to do that. He did that for the store. True. So he might be, like, the the handyman and the bookkeeper. Like, the bar back and the bookkeeper. All I know is Carolyn and Charles are working their balls off, and they have a dollar. And then when Harriet went to get the barmaid job, the other two jobs were crossed out. I think that's not. I think Nels does the books too, which would would be a higher paying job, I would think. I guess, but he makes a lot more money. Yeah. Now we see Mary Jen. She comes to visit Pa in the dining room, and Mary says Carolyn came to see her. Carolyn is a puppet master. You're right. Yeah, totally. And she Mary is literally giving him permission to leave. Charles starts to cry. And says he wants his family together. He doesn't want his children spread all over. And guess who else is crying, Jen? You are. I was. Oh, my God. Listen, Mimi's, I am going through it right now. I was talking to Jenny and to my therapist separately, independently. <laughs> that would be a weird conversation for all of us. About what is happening. So my girls are 14. And I feel like overnight we have gone from... 12 and you know kind of still doing immature kid things and fighting to, over candy yeah. to like i'm going to boys houses now and parties and like this kind of independent adult world and i was telling my therapist like i feel like 13 is usually the transition year where you're eased into this idea of they're not babies anymore now they're teenagers but we missed 13 because my kids were locked in the house for a year some people so, would be thrilled that their kids were locked in the house for you. And I was thrilled at the time, but it has made re-entry very yeah. abrupt. Yep. Because I'm like, wait a minute. Like, wait, slow down. Like, this is... So I'm feeling this transition period. There's a few transition periods you go through as parents. This is one. The next one will be, like, when they're graduating high school, right? But this is the one into high school, like, where they're becoming mature and so I feel Paw in this scene, like where he's like, I don't, like, I want us to all be together. I don't want, like, he says to her, it seems like just yesterday I was holding you in my arms as a baby. And now, like, you're a grown ass woman sitting here telling me. But Paw's what trying I to do. hold on to a past that doesn't exist anymore. He's but it's very hard to let it to go. To a past that isn't real, that isn't true. And, and, and can never be the same again. Like, you can't recreate that in this place at this time. I know. You can't even recreate that if they were all on a grove. I know. It's just I mean, really yeah, he hard. was telling Mary she had a bedtime, like, six weeks ago. But, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like it's, it is what it is. It's really, But it's funny because really Mary's, like, acting all matronly and, like, has the shawl on and, like, what, what is yes. this? What's yes. going on? It's very weird. I feel like this is kind of, I, I, I. I understand Mary's role in this moment. This feels like the old, you need to talk to dad because he listens to you. Yeah, Jenny and I go through this very often. (laughs) Jenny and I have an unspoken agreement. She's in charge of dad. I'm in charge of mom. However, because I'm here physically, I do all the physical stuff. Amy's kind of in charge of everyone. 
But Jenny is in charge of dad and his craziness. So when he starts acting up, I put her on it. Because he doesn't listen to me. Like, I don't feel like Charles would listen to Laura. No. Because he knows about, what Laura's all about. There's something about he listens to Mary. Yeah, you're right. Okay, Jen, so... I have back. to say, though, well played, Carolyn. Well played. Oh, I wrote, now we see Carolyn, that sassy she-devil, standing and watching well and smiling. <laughs> back at the saloon, Nels is playing roulette, and he's winning a ton of cash. Which, can we just discuss how hard it is to win at roulette? Yes. It's literally completely based on chance. Yes, and he's winning a ton of cash. Yeah, yep. Meanwhile, Albert has watched where they were putting the fireworks. Yes, Jenny. I'm raising my hand. Yes. Why are kids attracted like fucking magnets to explosives? We would have been all over that shit. Explosives? Boxes of explosives? Fireworks? Yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. So Albert steals Toby. You think our instincts as human beings would protect us and lead us away from the danger and not and not immediately towards it. All right. So, do you get this that Albert steals Toby? Well, he rescues him, I think, and lets him sleep cuz don't forget Toby's wasted. So he's right. letting him sleep it off at his place. They're at Albert's place. At his place where, Jen? Under the stairs. Under the stairs. So Toby is drunk and tucked gingerly into a makeshift bed on the dirt. He's mumbling about the fireworks. I want to see the kids with the fireworks. Well, he's, like, I mean, this is... Dude, he's not hungover just, yet. He's still drunk. But, like, he's suffering through... He could have lived the rest of his life on that money and never worked again. Right. Like, you just lost five grand yeah. and you're worried about the fireworks? Yeah. Okay. So then the Standish kid, the Standish kid and his goon are in the saloon. They're upstairs where the fireworks are. Jen? (laughs) This is is so good. This is so great. So good. They get a candle, guys, and they decide they're going to light one firework off and shoot it out the window of the saloon. A la Carl's Jr. in the barn. In a room full of boxes of explosives. They're going to set a fire. I still say Carl's Jr. lighting off that firework in the barn. It doesn't even come close to this. But it was the greatest thing. All right. So. Can we discuss the game? I want to discuss the Toby gambling, though. Because I just want to say, I want to address a false narrative. Okay. That has been going around about me. That I like gambling. Wait, 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 wait. Who is starting this false narrative? So somebody. uh, So You. No. No. There was a false narrative that I liked gambling because I went to a casino once and Gambled a lot, but like had one, you know, like I walked in with like X number hundreds of dollars. And okay, like, I have evidence to combat and this. And never got more money out. I just kept using that money till it all went away. And like, fine, it's gone. But like, that's what we were spending for the night. What? What? Do you remember when I was married to my first husband? Yeah. And you would come over and we'd be playing video games and stuff. Okay. You and he both admitted to Josh and myself that you guys loved gambling video games. You were obsessed with gambling. And you said, I love to gamble. Okay. I like to gamble. I don't have a vice problem with gambling. Who's saying you have a vice problem? That is the false narrative. By who? 
Probably Josh. I don't know. I'm Not sure. me. I've never been to a casino with you in my like, life. If I'm in a casino, I like to gamble, but I'm never seeking out a, a place. Like, that's not a thing I just like to go the do necessarily. The fact that you are protesting so much I just want to address speaks that. volumes just because that. no one thinks you're a gambler. And, like, when I, but it was so funny because speaking of roulette, I was in Vegas on a business trip and we were in the casino and I put 10 bucks on Black 17. And won four hundred dollars. Okay. That never happens. I took the money and I left, though. Okay, so Jenny, in her defense of not being a gambler, is going to tell some gambling stories. <laughs> I mean, what is your problem? It's Who a is game. Saying that it's you're a game. A it's a game. So I like it. I like it. Of course, I like it. Who and there's probability and there's all these things involved. I like poker. I do like poker. We used to have okay. poker games. Steve Locke used to have poker games at his house. Would you? And agree, they got wild. Would you agree that I've known you for a long time? <laughs> all right, I'll agree. That's a fact. I've never heard anyone say you okay. were a gambler. I feel like there was implication that I have that as one of my vices. I think everyone just assumes I have every vice. I could name ten vices you have before gambling. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's not all do right. that. Okay. Let's get back to these kids lighting fires. <laughs> okay. So, Jen, immediately the whole stash catches fire. There's not I even was a just, split second. I was dying laughing. I'm oh like, this God. is so good. So the, the goon is like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And little Standish is like, I have to go tell my pa. You think? You, you don't have to tell him. You're not going to have to tell him. <laughs> so they run down and Standish is like, I'm busy. And then all of a sudden the fireworks start going off in the saloon. Oh, God. And everyone is running for their life. And Standish is screaming, run, run for your, for your life. life. Because the, all this shit's made of wood. Like, all this shit's going to go up in flames. Jen Nels is sitting there, and he don't give a Because he's loaded and perhaps suicidal. Yes. So Harriet suddenly runs over and is like, I'm not leaving here without you. You could die. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, Harriet I feel like that's not run, what happened. Yeah. Harriet runs over and is telling him he's got to get out. And he says, I'm not going back to Walnut Grove without you. Oh, I'm not Nels. moving until you agree to come with me. No, dude. Nels, you were free. You know what happened? You had a pile he of cash passed... in front of you and you were free. No. You know what happened? He He's into the, the seventh layer of drunkness. What's the seventh layer? Where you layer start of to love things that aren't good for you. <laughs> like the alcohol you're drinking? Yes. <laughs> he's, in, he's in layer number seven. Okay. He has passed through there and suddenly he wants Harriet again. Yeah, because he's sitting there. He basically broke up with Harriet. He has a pile of cash in front of him. Mm-hmm. Run, dude, mm-hmm. run. He went through like sorrow, misery. Aren't those the 12 stages of grief? Life, rethinking your whole life, hating your children, wondering what you did with your life, and then loving Harriet as number seven. Okay. <laughs> okay. But so, can I just say that this Nels is a boss? Like, he's great. He's great. So Harriet sees the cash and she's like, okay, I'll go back with you. Yeah, I'll go back with you. Yeah. I'll mm-hmm. take this pile of cash and we're together again. So now the whole town is outside watching the fireworks show and it's just emanating from the, the two, two things. This is Toby Knows Revenge. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Secondly, nothing like a building exploding for some entertainment. Like whenever there's something major going on, it just mm-hmm. whips up the whole city. So yesterday mm-hmm. there was... Tons of helicopters flying around my neighborhood. Like, just a bunch of them. Like, like, like loud, flying around the neighborhood. That's never a good sign, right? Like, right. something's going on when there's helicopters. Right. 
So there's this app called Nextdoor. You probably don't know about it. I don't think they have it in the country. Yes, Maybe I do. they do. Okay. I do, but I don't use it because we don't have it here. So next, so I'm on Nextdoor and like everyone's always jumping on there like, what's going on with these helicopters? And then someone's like, mm-hmm. I'll go look. And like there's, you know, there's all this, there's like 25 people waiting and all this. And then someone's getting pissed off because they're like, oh, I think it, they have a fireworks display that they're putting up. But why are the helicopters for five hours ahead of a fireworks display? So there's this whole, like, all this to do. And then people start arguing about fireworks and how they trigger dogs. And then someone's like, some people like fireworks. It's not tyranny. I have tyranny. A on fireworks. It's not tyranny. Like, mm-hmm. it's this whole fucking thing, right? Everyone's, like, all going crazy. Turns out it was, so there was a Coldplay concert in Long Island City, a free one. And they shot off a bunch of fireworks. And I guess they're filming it for the Macy's July 4th special. Oh, Okay. Okay. So that so that the helicopters must have been film helicopters. It was a whole, but it was like everyone was in a tizzy for hours. Like it was a whole fucking thing. I I have mixed feelings on fireworks. I enjoy them obviously, but I guess I don't. I don't live in a city anymore, so this is not a problem for me. So I don't really know if it's true, but I hear people complaining about fireworks constantly. That people are constantly lighting them off. So there are two things. There are regulated fireworks displays that are put on by the city great Mm -hmm. fine Mm -hmm. like i get that people's dogs freak out and stuff and like that's bad well one of the problems but this happens like twice a year right right but one of the problems is um and i didn't know this until i was working with the survivors on that book is it it triggers a lot of ptsd for people who've been in mass shootings but i feel like with the fireworks displays yeah sure that the Mm -hmm. cities do there's plenty of warning. Yes. They know when it's yes. going to happen. Yep. Yep. You know, like the, you can, they you can, can make accommodations because mm-hmm. like they're right on the river. So like you only have to go inland a little bit to like yeah. kind of be away from it. And, and they don't, you know what's happening, right? Like they yeah. don't surprise you. The problem is there's all these illegal fireworks all yes. over the city and this started in the pandemic and it yes. was really bad and they're just setting these things off constantly all and over the place. And that's what's happening here in Scranton. And like it was people ridiculous. are constantly complaining. It was, re- that is ridiculous and it needs to mm-hmm. stop and it's dangerous. Like it's, it's crazy. Dangerous. And no one knows what's happening half the time and when you're in the city you don't know if something's blown up, if it's gunfire, like you don't mm-hmm. know what the hell's going Jenny, on. Jenny, I told you, I went guys to a Paul McCartney concert and it was like maybe two years ago. I went with mom to the Barclay Center. He did a big explosion indoors, and I oh, thought weird. I thought like we were being shot up. Wow! Like it was terrifying, and a moment of panic runs through you because not only do you think, "Oh my God, are we in a mass shooting?" Any any Gen Xer kind of thinks, "Oh my God, is this the Great White?" The Great White thing. Uh, New Jersey that was bar terrible. burning. That was yeah. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, poor choice, Sir Paul. I would poor never choice. do that inside. That's mm. crazy. Like yeah. outside, all right, whatever. But like inside is, but no, a, that's alarming. A, like panic runs through you. Yeah. It was really scary. And I've been to a lot of concerts and nobody's really done that. That's crazy. I don't know what the need was there to do it. Okay, so let's finish this up. So the whole town's watching the fireworks show. The fire department comes out, but the fireworks spook the horses. Well, no, and their hose is broken. They finally get the hose out, but it's broken because the city fathers didn't spend money for a new one. Which is Standish. Mm Mm-hmm. Love it. Standish is freaking out. Charles quits and tells Garvey, we're starting home at tomorrow at 6 a.m. Did you catch the Charles and Garvey bromance moment? Yeah, I said they do that weird (laughs) bro hug. Like they look at, he's like, well, I don't work for you anymore either, Standish. And and Jonathan just looks at him and he looks at Charles. I know. I know. 
And then we get a Laura voiceover that tells us it's the greatest day ever because they're going home. Well, and this, I mean, Albert and Toby love this. They are loving it. They're loving it. They're and I have to it. say, the the scenes of the fireworks exploding out of the saloon, first of all, that building would be engulfed in flames by now. Yeah, I don't know what happened. And that whole block would be because everything's wood. So yeah, and just like, like nobody's screaming, get our stuff out of the hotel. Yeah, because that whole block's going to burn down. Yeah. Like, but where they... are you going to sleep tonight? You're going out at 6 a.m.? You might as well jump in the wagons and go now. Well, in the whole, like, all of those scenes of the fireworks coming out were just the same scenes over and over again on loop. <laughs> like, they probably had, they like, were. four of them. They were. It was great, guys. It was It was good. great. Okay, Jenny, so whose fault is this? So I have the, this is Charles's fault. Definitely Charles's fault. This was a fucking bad decision. The whole, let's move to the city with Mary, fucking bad decision. I have this is Standish's fault again. I mean... Why do you keep thinking Charles is the bad guy? Standish is literally an, an ogre. Standish is a horrible person, and there are a lot of things that are his fault, again. But the whole reason they're there and even dealing with any of these things, again, they left Walnut Grove and they went there to this horrible place. Like, well, this is Charles's fault. They shouldn't even be a, there. That's in my why, so I'm going to go first. Okay. Okay. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back at the episode and think about like a, a scar or a theme or a lesson that we took with us that maybe shaped our generation in some way or imprinted on us. And we call it our why and it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. So my why for this episode is this is why, even though it's hard, you need to accept that your children will grow up and you need to let them go. Yeah, this is yeah. what Charles didn't do in, in, in Disaster. You need to let them live their own lives, even if that means you go to sleep every single night with a knot in your stomach <laughs> because you're terrified. <laughs> Guys, like I said, I'm living this right now. Like, my kids aren't leaving home, obviously, but, like, they have more independence than they ever have. And now's the time where your parenting bears fruit, where you have to be like, okay, did all of that talking and you know guiding did all of it work like charles needs to let mary strike out on her own yeah and do this and i get where he's coming from like she's blind yeah and he wanted yep. to help her through that yep and they needed to leave walnut grove it's coming from a good place but it was a really bad decision coming here was a really bad decision like they could have probably found a better fit for them mm-hmm. somewhere else but that's this is what happens when parents live their lives for their kids yeah like you need to separate that at some point and it's really hard and really scary but your life can't revolve around your kids forever you have to let them strike out on their own yeah you just do and please jenny play this back for me when i'm crying because my kids (laughs) want to go away to college (laughs) all right jenny what is your why so this is why I thought my whole family would be following me to New York City when I moved and was bitterly disappointed when that did not happen. Like you fucking wanted us in New York City. Could you imagine? Okay, guess what, bitch? We're moving there tomorrow. Could you imagine if like you, mom, dad, like no. Timmy, the kids all moved to New York? That Timmy, would be fucking terrible. Timmy is very much like Pa. Oh, he would hate it here? He would hate it there. Yeah. He's lived in bigger cities, but they were much less populated cities. Yeah, he would hate it there. He, when I take him to New York, he is on anxiety <laughs> level high. He hates he would people. Hate it here. He hates waiting. Dad, I think, would actually like it once you got him here and got him settled in. He hates the, like, coming in to here and, like, 
like navigating it. He would be somebody who never left his neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like he would just be, yeah. Like he he would, he would be going to the bars. He'd be going to all the restaurants. Mm -hmm. He'd Mm -hmm. be like talking to everybody. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't like, he wouldn't be out adventuring around the city. He would Mm -hmm. like kind of stay in his neighborhood. Probably mom would like it too. I think. Yeah. She would do. Okay. But Timmy would not, I could not be out there. Yeah. I would do okay. I would but. be like, what neighborhood do I have to move to that you won't take the train to? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But now that I know that you want us to live near you, <laughs> I'll let mom and dad know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jenny. So what's coming up next? I so mean, read next, that description again. Next is part two. There's no place like home part two. Season five, episode six. The Ingalls, Garvey's, Olsons, and Albert get back to Walnut Grove to find it run down and in a shabby condition. Lars Hansen, who founded Walnut Grove over 50 years ago, has suffered a stroke and is much like the town on its last leg. Dark. Wow, dark. The Ingalls and Garvey's go to the farms around town to let everybody know their plan to restore the town to its former glory. Why didn't... What has... Okay. What has changed? Wait a minute. That they couldn't do this before. There's something wrong here because I thought in the next episode they ask Albert to go with them. They get the blind horseshoe. That must happen at the beginning of the next episode. How long they is still this ha- episode? They still haven't left yet. Yeah. But my question is, nothing has changed. So, like, why couldn't they have just done this? You know what I mean? I there's no know. there's no news of the railroad letting up, right? No. Mm-mm. So, like, if they could do this now, what was stopping them from doing it before? Right. Exactly. I'm with you on this. Who's writing this garbage? Uh, my man, Michael Landon. Yeah, okay. Michael Landon's not writing the episode description, so to be fair, he was he's dead not. before Amazon no, came out. He's, he's not. So I don't know what's happening. All right, so that's it for us. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. Amy here. If you like what you hear and would like more content, please consider joining our subscription service, Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes. Plus, you can hear our entire back catalog of bonus content we've recorded so far. Some of the movies we've covered... Our Jaws 3D, which was absolutely terrible. Teen Wolf, which may have been worse. Dead Poet Society, the best movie ever. And Summer School. We're also covering some amazingly terrible after-school specials, like Stoned with Scott Bayo and Which Mother is Mine, starring Mrs. Cunningham and Mary Ingalls. Brilliant. You can sign up for Patreon by going directly to patreon.com. That's P-A-T. R-E-O-N. Or you can download the Patreon app. Just search for Gen X This Is Why and subscribe. You can also visit our website at genxthisiswhy.com or visit the show notes where we have all of these links for you. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.